doesn't really define what love is, but explain to the believers of this church what love looks like, what love doesn't look like. He walks us through. It's the only church. And so we need to get this right. We need to get love right in our lives. And so um, in chapter, remember the context, though. Paul's writing this letter. And in chapter 12 through 14, really the context is spiritual gifts, correct? The spiritual gifts that God has given to us. Paul emphasized um, in chapter 12 that we are the body of Christ, right? Every one of us, different members, different body parts, if you will. We're all different. We've all been gifted differently, but we are made to fit together. Just like a body is put together by God, fearfully and wonderfully made. He put this local body, Calvary Chapel, West Houston, together, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew exactly where to place you, where to put you, how to gift you. If you're not using your giftings, you need to make an adjustment. You need to, you need to, get, you need to get that right. Because <laughs> we're, we're not benefiting from your life. And you have a lot to offer. You're, God placed you where it says he, it pleased him. It pleased him to place, place you right where you are at. He's given you unique spiritual gifts, unique spiritual capacities. Does God make mistakes? No, no way, Jose. He doesn't make mistakes. In his wisdom, in his love, in his concern, in his care, in his knowledge, he places us exactly where he wants us. And so he handpicks the people he wants and he puts them where he pleases. And I am so glad you are here. I, it's, it's so awesome. But here's the deal with the gifts. They're only worth something if they are infused with love. They're only worth something if they are infused with love. Because Paul's going to pick up next week in chapter 14, continuing to talk about the gifts. Chapter 12, he was talking about the gifts. But after 12 and before 14 is 13. Always has, always will be right there. Chapter 13. And in chapter 13, Paul speaks about, about love. By the way, it's the word agape in the Greek. There's four Greek words for love. You guys remember that? Four Greek words for love, right? There is eros, which is erotic love or lust. More along those lines. There's storge love, which is the family love. Right? Love within a family. There's phileo, in which we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Right? It's brotherly love. And then there's agape. This, I don't even know how to define I don't think you can really define it, can you? It's this unconditional commitment to imperfect people. It's selfless. selfless. It's sacrificial. It's giving of ourselves. By this we know love that Jesus gave himself for us. Greater man has, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. That's agape love. And that's the love, by the way, check this out, that's the love that God has shed abroad in our hearts. Romans 5 tells us, if you're a Christian, God's poured that love right into your heart and in my heart. Are you with me this morning? Are you guys still with me on this love thing? Amen. Listen, I love cheeseburgers. I love carnitas. I love surfing. I love Tanya, my bride. But I don't put those all on the same. Like, really, honey? Do you love me as much as your carnitas? No, no. 
Now, it's important to understand this love is, is otherworldly. It's divine. God is love. That's who he is. And he's poured that love, poured who he is into our hearts. But he wants that love to, to, to flow in our lives, not only back to him. We love him because he first loved us. But that love is to be worked out practically with one another within the church. And so Paul is explaining, listen, church, the church of Corinth. You guys are radically gifted, and you're using the gifts, and, and, and everything's going on in your church, and it's, 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 it's amazing what's happening. However, there's no love, and it's worthless. It's profiting nothing because you're not keeping the main thing, and the main thing is love. And so when it is love, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord and the love that he shed abroad in our hearts. And so uh, first Paul established what, uh, how important love is, and then... He talked about, about love in verse 4 through 7. By the way, some people express love better than others. And I think, you know, if, if love is not flowing in your life, then there may be something that is keeping that love from flowing. There may be a clog in the system. There may be something. Listen, selfishness suffocates love in our lives. We talked about that last week. And you can, rec- you can recognize if your love is fading or you're not loving um, the way you once did, um, there may be a self-problem. There may be a selfishness issue, a self-centeredness, a divisiveness maybe also that's happening, or a pride issue that's happening in your life, or an unforgiveness. Didn't we talk about unforgiveness last week too? Love holds no record of wrongs. Talk about suffocating the flow of love is having an unforgiving heart in your life. Keeping a list. We talked about that, didn't we? Checking a list. Making your list. Checking it twice. Did we talk about that last week? Right? We bury the hatchet, but what? Leave the handle sticking out? That's not right. Correct? Gone. Get rid of the, Rip up the lists. If you've got lists against somebody, get rid of them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep love from flowing in your life. And so... Um, Listen, nothing else matters unless love is flowing through us. God is love, but he's also light too, by the way. God is love, but he's also light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And in fact, that's where we're going to kick off this morning. Verse 6, talking about darkness. Well, let's back up. Love suffers long, verse 4. Or is patient. Some of your Bibles say, love is patient, love is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Or it speaks of pride or or being arrogant. Um, Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. That's our verse. Holds no record of wrongs. That's the idea there in verse 5. And then in verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I love how he starts off here in verse 6, how love and joy are intimately connected, aren't they? Aren't love and joy connected? Don't don't we read that in Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth, right? We, We see this in our home, don't we? When you come home from work, don't you see love and joy happening? The kids come. Don't they come? 
They love mom or dad. Oh, so happy you're home. It's awesome. Are you guys with me? Or maybe your dog. Doesn't matter what you did to him. You didn't feed him. You didn't treat him right. He's still loving you. He's got that agape love flowing in his life no matter what. You know what I'm talking about. Love and joy, they go together. But Paul says here, he says, listen, love does not rejoice in iniquity. I think one example might be love does not rejoice when others suffer bad things. You ever had someone do you wrong? You ever had someone do you wrong? And you thought, oh, they, and, and something happened to them that wasn't good. And you're like, oh, no, they got what was coming to them, man. Yeah. Give me a high five. El, you don't know elbow. Give me a high five. Right? You ever done that before? That's rejoicing in iniquity. That's wrong. Listen, by God's grace, we don't get what we should have coming to us. And so love does not rejoice in iniquity. Iniquity means unrighteousness. Unrighteousness of heart and life. Iniquity is sin. And those who try to find joy in iniquity, you will find it is pleasurable for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Some of us know we, we were engaged in things that we shouldn't be engaged in. Tried to fill the emptiness in our hearts tried to live for the flesh, and what happens? It's pleasurable up front, but in the back end, it's painful. The, the Bible says, and it's true, the way of the transgressor is hard. There's emptiness, there's pain, there's hurt. There's not satisfaction or joy found in iniquity. The ultimate result is pain. Sin, listen, sin is a shortcut to joy. It is an attempt at joy, whether it's a bottle, whether it is a, uh, a joint, whether it is a syringe, whether it is a sexual encounter, that is a shortcut to joy, gang. And so iniquity is a shortcut, not only a shortcut to joy, it will, you'll forfeit joy and love. Amen. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. But the path to joy, the path to life, the path to satisfaction, the path to real love is what? Look at verse 6. But love rejoices in the, in the truth. Love delights in. Love walks in the truth. I love what Jesus said in John 17. I think it's like right around verse 17. You can check it out later. Jesus, we have a, we have a snapshot of his prayer his praying to the Father, and he says, and he prays for us, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so love rejoices in the truth, rejoices in the word of God. Aren't you grateful for the word of God? That you can, you can go hang out with Jesus this afternoon all alone and have him speak to your heart through his word. That's glorious. Tomorrow morning to get up and to open your Bible and to spend time with Jesus and he speaks to your heart. That causes me to say, wow, Lord, thank you. That's, there's rejoicing in that. There's excitement in that. It's glorious. And by the way, the word of God works effectively in those who believe. 1 Thessalonians 2. We get into the word and the word, we get into the word, allow the word to get into us. And it works effectively in our hearts and in our lives. And it brings joy. It is the path of joy, gang. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who... Something, something, something. <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel 
of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his joy, what he finds joy in is what? The law of the Lord, the word of God. Are you delighting in the word and the truth this morning? If you're not, there's a problem. It should be a delight to us as God's children. We should, maybe you're reading it wrong. Or maybe the person that's teaching it to you is, it might be off. Because it should be a delight to get into the word of God. And not only that, the person that meditates upon it day and night, their life will be fruitful in season and out of season. There's going to be a fruitful life as you're delighting, you're rejoicing in the truth. And, and I would say, listen, the, there's joy in doing what's right. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it is worth it. It is worth it. And you see God's wisdom, right? Wisdom is justified by her children. God's wisdom is seen in his children walking in obedience to his word. Rejoicing in the word. Walking in the word. And allowing him to work in and through our lives. Listen, um, the devil offers shortcuts. The devil offers shortcuts. You remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? You guys remember what the devil offered? Took Jesus up, right on some high mountain, and he said, look at all the kings of the world in a moment's time. Check it all out. You can have all this. Just bow down and worship me. You don't need to go the way of the cross. You don't need to suffer. You don't need to endure. You don't need to do the Father's will. You can go my way, and you can have it all right now. Remember what Jesus said? You shall worship the Lord your God only, and him shall you serve. It is written. No shortcuts. That's not the way to joy. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Of what? Of doing the Father's will and presenting you and I before the throne totally and perfectly righteous. How glorious is that going to be? It's awesome. And so love finds joy. How? By rejecting iniquity and walking in truth. Listen, real love doesn't take shortcuts. You pay the price. You go the distance. And you see God's wisdom as you hang in there. Because the truth sets us free. Everything else will ensnare you and entrap you. But Jesus offers. Listen, he said the Son will set you free. You walk with him. The truth will set you free. He said, it's glorious. Look at verse 7. Paul goes on, love does what? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I love this. That word bears, it's not like just puts up with. Love just puts up with. It means, check this out, it literally means to cover like a, like a, like a roof or a, 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 to keep secret, to conceal, to shield to protect, to make safe. What did we learn on Wednesday night? Our Lord is a refuge. Have you found the Lord a refuge in your life? Place of security, place of, 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 uh, of comfort, of rest. Jesus said, remember he was looking at what was going on when he came into Jerusalem. And he was weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets. I've sent you prophets. I've sent people to you to get a hold of your heart. 
how I, how I wanted to gather you. Jesus said it. How I have wanted to gather you like a mother hen does her chicks. But you said no. You didn't want it. That's, this, that's what it's talking about here. A mother hen with her chicks has a place of comfort, of safety, of security, of refuge. Jesus said, I wanted to do that in your life all along, but you didn't want it. And I've been offering it to you. By the way, you know Jesus has our back. Aren't you glad he's a place of refuge? He has our back, guys. I was watching this week a uh, documentary on gangs in L.A., Pastor, why were you watching something like that? <laughs> That's some ungodly stuff. I have a bunch of friends that are pastors in, the, in those areas. Some have come to this pulpit and taught for me. I have some good friends that, are, that got saved out of that background, have gone back to the neighborhoods and are ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching the word. But I wanted to see kind of what, what's, you know, I had no clue. I'm, I'm a suburb kid, surfer boy, baseball player, like... I don't know nothing about that, what they came out of, but I'm checking it out, and, and here's the one thing that stood out to me. Do you know that, they, that gangs, the gangs, the gang bangers or whatever they're called, they have one another's back? And I thought, how pathetic we in the church don't have one another's back. We don't bear all things. We gossip and share it as prayer requests. We talk bad about one another. When someone falls in the church, what do we do? Shoot them down, don't we? We Listen, we, if gangbangers don't know Jesus Christ, have one another's back, how can we not have one another's back? Those that have been born again by God's Spirit with the love of God in our hearts. I, mean, that's a, I was challenged by that. We need, if Jesus has our back continually, it tells us in Hebrews, He ever lives to make intercession for you and I. He's continually praying for us, continually interceding, continually has got our back. That same one's living in your heart and in my heart. And if we're wondering why love is not flowing and growing in our lives, maybe we're not bearing all things. It's interesting because Peter would later write, it's so interesting. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, check this out. He said, you guys know this verse. He said, above all things, above everything else, have Am I speaking loud? I'm just really excited about this. this is... <laughs> and above all things, above everything else, have fervent love for one another. He's talking to church. You know what fervent means? Why are you sitting in my seat? <laughs> Fervent's like, like hot, like on fire, man. He says, above all, have fervent love for one another. For, why? For love covers a multitude of sins. You know, I think, I think, you read through Peter's letters, I think there's times he was thinking back when he was walking with Jesus. Remember what happened on the night in which Jesus was betrayed? They were in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, right? Well, Jesus was praying. Peter was watch and pray, right? Lest you enter into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Guys, could you just pray with me? So Judas comes, right? The detachment of troops. Jesus gets up. He's ready. He's ready to face what he has to face because he's been on his knees in prayer. 
And what does Peter do? Lord, should, should I protect God? Pulls out his right. He pulls out his knife, sword, whatever he's got. And who does he go after? The little servant guy. Chops off his ear. Doesn't go after the soldiers with all their stuff. Lops off the dude's ear. And what did Jesus do? I don't. Did it? Did he give him a new ear? Did, was it flopping? Did he put it back on? But it was totally healed. I mean, you guys ever think about like that kind of stuff? That's just my crazy nutty head. <laughs> But, I mean, think about that. What did he do? He healed the guy. He covered Peter's blunder. Otherwise, it would have been four crosses on Calvary. <laughs> Love covers a multitude of sins. I think about Noah. Remember when Noah got drunk? Noah got drunk? You just didn't read the story far enough. Right? Ends up with no clothes on in his tent, and here comes Ham. Ham checks him out, starts mocking him, goes viral, exposes his dad. How bogus is that? But remember what the brothers did? Shem and what's the other brother's name? Japheth, thank you. Good job, Bible students. What did they do? They got a blanket and walked backwards and covered their dad. That's love covering. That's bearing all things. Love bears all things. You guys, anybody here like pearls? You guys like pearls? I don't want to say it because then I'll look greedy. And <laughs> pearls are cool, aren't they? Do you know how a pearl is made? I didn't know this until like two weeks ago. Do you know how a pearl is made? In the oyster, a little irritant. Gets in there, a little irritant. You guys have any irritants in your life? <laughs> I'm an irritant too, bro. <laughs> but what happens is this luscious, loving stuff comes out of the oyster, covering the little irritant, and then all of a sudden what happens? It's a beautiful pearl. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to start doing with those irritants in our lives, is to cover them to pray for them, to share the truth and love with them, to bear with them. Well, that's enough on that one. Believes, love believes all things. That word believe means to think to be true, to give the benefit of the doubt, to commit to, place confidence in, to entrust a thing to one. I think about the Bible. The Bible says that I believe it, man. I don't understand all of it, but I believe it. I've tested God's word. I, didn't, I don't test him. I've tested the word of God, his promises. He is faithful. He is reliable. I love what Paul, uh, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I am right on board. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Listen, belief should carry forth or translate into our actions how we live our lives. Have you guys ever had someone say, I believe in you? And they meant it. My, that's the way my dad was. I'm like so grateful for my dad. Because he would say that to me, like, listen, I believe in you, man. You can do this. I got your back. I trust in you. Love says, I believe in you. 
And love can say that because when God is involved, good things will happen. We know the end of the story, don't we? I believe God is going to come through. Especially in counseling. If, if you've ever come to, to counseling and we've met before, you know, you know what I say to you. Will you give God a chance? Will you give him a chance? And then the next thing I say is verse 8, love never fails. <laughs> Will you give God a chance? Because God says in Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? There's nothing. And he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring help. Do we believe that God is going to come through? Do we believe? Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. What does hope mean? That is the hope is the absolute expectation of good. Listen, this morning, because of God, we have hope. Correct? Do you, do you believe that? <laughs> is God sovereign? Is he in control? Do you believe that? You do? Do you know that things are going to be okay? That's like now half the room. It's, it's, it's dropping. Do you know that everything's going to be okay? We know the end of the book. What happens? Do you know where you're headed? He's in control of all things. Sometimes we think, yes, he's in control of the, you know, he's got the stars, the moon, and the universe, and stuff going on. But what about my life? He's intimately in control, working all things together for good in your life. I mean, how cool is that? You know, that, you know what that means? Take big, deep LA fitness breath this morning. It's going to be okay. Love says, don't get rattled. Things are going to be all right. I mean, what does that communicate when God's children are hoarding and hiding? What does that communicate, you guys? I know I'm going to probably step on some toes this morning. That's okay, because I love you. What does that communicate when we are hoarding and hiding? Does that communicate hope? Hope's all things? Does that communicate love? It doesn't. Listen, because of God's word, we have great hope. Do you remember what Jesus said? Look at the birds of the air. Look at how your father takes care of them. Right? They don't build little silos and store up all their stuff. Correct? Your heavenly father feeds them and takes care of them. How much more valuable are you than birds? Well, let me tell you how valuable you are. God sent his only begotten son to die for you, to save you, to rescue you, to make you his very own child. You think he's going to take care of his children? Listen, he is not a bad dad. He's a good dad. He takes care of his kids. And he goes on that whole section. Do not worry about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Let, in the same passage, Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men. Don't hide your light where? Under a mask. Is that what you said? <laughs> that's what the Lord's showing. I'm not saying it. That's, that came right from this region. Somewhere right in here. You, deal with them in the parking lot afterwards. In love, of course. 
cover, you said cover all things, I'm gonna cover this guy. <laughs> but Jesus said, don't hide, your, don't hide your light under a bushel. Let your light shine. How else are people gonna hear about Jesus Christ? If people share with you, someone share the gospel with you, we should be eternally grateful. People have the guts, the boldness, the Holy Spirit using different instruments, some goofballs, right? I had some goofballs that shared with me. You better turn or burn, buddy. <laughs> Whatever, man. I remember exactly the dude that said that. I am eternally grateful. I realize, I look back now, that was the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, showing me my need for Jesus. And, but there were some eloquent people, you know? Let me share with you three steps, and, you know? <laughs> That's cool, man, whatever. But then you look back and go, wow, that was, that was you, Lord. You were sending people into my life, tracking me down, hunting me down because you love me. You care about me. Love believes all things or hopes all things. Well, I can't put any hope or trust in anybody. I've been burned. Anybody here been burned? I got some, some people's attention around these parts. I've been burned, man. I ain't hoping, believing in no one. How many times you burned Jesus? How many times we burned him? What does he do? Grace upon grace upon grace. You know what I'm learning? It's, it's been a hard journey, a hard lesson. If I'm dependent upon the Lord, I can trust people. Amen. Why? Because if they fail, it's not going to ruin my life. I know God won't fail. And He will work it out. His plans are always glorious and bright. I think about Judas. You know, I, just this week thinking about him. Do you know that Jesus made Judas the treasurer of the ministry? <laughs> Knowing that Judas was a snake. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's putting some hope in someone, isn't it? <laughs> Saying, you know what? I, you got the money bag, dude. <laughs> really? Can't give it to Simon the Zealot, the terrorist. <laughs> Let's give it to Judas. But I think it's interesting. The Lord, the Lord has had some hope in that dude. All the way to the end, didn't he? Remember when he came with that detachment of troops we just mentioned a minute ago? How did Jesus respond to Judas? You, did he say, you low-life scumbag, traitor? You know, remember what he says to him? Friend. What are you looking for? That's heavy. Talk about being burned and done wrong. But love holds no record of wrongs. Love endures all things. It means to remain under the load, to abide, to remain and not flee, to bear bravely and calmly. You know what that means? Love doesn't quit when the going gets tough. Because we live in a society of quitters. It's sad to say that, isn't it? But it's true. The minute something gets tough, I'm out of here, man. 
whether it's work, whether it's marriage, whether it's ministry, and love endures all things. The example we have is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are to run our race, your race, my race, with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Our example is Jesus. The one living in us is Jesus. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. Are your eyes on Jesus this morning? They need to be on him. If we're going to endure, that's what it said about Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, Moses endured. How did Moses endure? Did Moses put up with a lot? I mean, can you imagine two to three million people grumbling and complaining for 40 years? Maybe you're saying, Pastor, two, two to three in my home is enough. <laughs> what, what, it's, you know what it says about Moses? How did he endure? That sounds right. I hear a lot of good answers. It said, here's what it says. You can check it out later. It says, Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. With his spiritual eyes, not physical eyes. He endured as because he kept his eyes on the Lord. How, how are you going to endure all things in love? And love the way that the Lord has called us to? It's by keeping your eyes on Jesus. When things get tough, when things are... Do things ever get tough? Things get difficult when things are hard. To keep, when things are great, keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't want to get puffed up, think we're something. To keep our eyes on Him. Love does not quit when the going gets tough. I love this. This is like one of my favorite verses, verse 8. Love never fails. Is that an amazing verse? That's a promise. Love never fails. People come for counseling. What should I do? I don't know, but love never fails. I'm in this situation with this person at work. What should I do, pastor? Love never fails. That's all I know. That's an easy one to memorize too, isn't it? Love never fails. That word fails means to perish, to lose, to be without effect, to fall powerless, to fall to the ground. You know what that tells me? Love is powerful and love is what works. And love is what lasts. You guys ready to finish this chapter up? Here we go. Can I encourage you to choose to love? It's powerful. Love never fails. Let's finish up. Because he's going to say love is what lasts. That's the point he's making. Gifts are temporary, but there's a time when we'll no longer need them. But whether there are prophecies... Words spoken on behalf of God. We're going to learn about prophecies next week, chapter 14, verse 3. Someone that prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to fail. That word means to be rendered completely inoperative, be brought to a conclusion, put on a shelf. At some point, it's, they're going to be done. Tongues. Whether there are tongues. They will cease. Words of praise to God in a foreign language, they're going to come to an end. Whether there's knowledge, what's that? Information, insight, understanding. It will vanish away. It will be rendered completely inoperative, put on a shelf, same word, come to a conclusion. 
The point Paul is making here, this is an important point, don't miss this. The gifts, the spiritual gifts are temporary. There's a time coming when they will no longer be necessary. Look what it says. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. There's a portion, there's a fraction that we understand. There's a fraction, we don't know everything entirely. But, or we prophesy in part, we speak those words of, uh, that build up, stir up, and lift up, but not entirely, not to the full extent. We do these things in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. That which is perfect has come. Do you guys know what that's speaking of? Who's it speaking of? Jesus. When he, well, we'll see in context in just a moment. I'm, I'm bringing this up because some say the perfect speaks of the canon of Scripture, 66 books being completed, and, and people say that to explain away the spiritual gifts. Listen, I would say the, per, the, the, the perfect is not speaking of the canon of Scripture, although having the complete Word of God is wonderful, it's safe, it's trustworthy, it's reliable. Acts chapter 2 tells us the gifts will not cease. Until, until who comes? Until the Lord shows up. Amen. Check it out for yourself. I believe the perfect is speaking of Jesus. When, we, when he shows up or we see him, what's going to happen? It says that which is in part, the portion that is in operation, the spiritual gifts which are necessary and needed now, will be done away with. They will be rendered totally inoperative, inactive. They'll be put on the shelf, if you will. And Paul uses an example as a little kid. Look what he says. When I was a child, when I was a little guy, I spoke as a little guy. I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I grew up, when I matured, I, I put the toys on the shelf. They were rendered inactive. For now, we see in a mirror at this present moment. And by the way, in Corinth, they were known for their mirrors, their brass. In ancient times, their mirrors weren't glass mirrors. They were made out of, out of, out of brass, pounded flat. You guys ever tried to look into one of those? You see, what does it say? Dimly. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, not totally clear. But it says, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Wow. But then someday, right now things aren't totally clear. But guess what happens when we look into the beautiful face of Jesus? Do you know you're going to see him face to face? How awesome that's going to be. I know in part. I understand to a certain extent. But when I see my Jesus face to face, I will know just as I am known. Is that how you know right now? We know in part right now. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be like him, or we shall see him as he is. We will be made mature, perfect, complete. This lowly body will be transformed into his glorious body. It's going to be a radical change. What's Paul's point? Listen, love is the one thing that you do today that you will always do. Are you okay with knowing in part this morning? Are you okay with knowing in part? 
Because a lot of people think they know it all, don't they? But guess what? The reality is we will only know in part. That doesn't mean we don't seek his face for wisdom, ask for wisdom and knowledge and, and, and study to show ourselves approved, to dig deep into the word of God, to understand it. But guess what? Bottom line is we will only know in part. Are you okay with the limitations this morning? Are you okay with those limitations this morning? No? no. Yes? We have to. That's what we need to say, okay, I'm okay with that. I don't know it all. Because we run into some know-it-alls. And guess what? We don't know it all. Do you see the big picture? Do you know everything that's going on behind the scenes? We don't. We know in part. We know in part. I have to be okay with that. I have to be, uh, you know what? But growing up, maturing in the Lord means I'm loving more. Oh, I'm growing in, 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 in grace and the knowledge of him, caring about others. Because guess what? There's no limitations to love. Oh, there's a limit to what we know, but there's no limits to love. No, that's the timer. Time to shut it down. We got one verse. Check it out. And now, presently, abide faith, hope, love. These three. These, th- these three things, Paul says, are remaining right now. Faith. Trust. Faith is simple definition. Trust manifested by my actions. Hope. The absolute expectation of good. Love. We've talked about what love is. And he says, but the greatest of these is love. What's most important? Love. love. Above all, that which lasts, that which will never fall, that, that which will never perish. Love never fails. Listen, one day our faith will be made sight. When we pass through the veil and we see our Jesus face to face, our faith will become sight. Our hope will become a reality. Correct? Amen. Of being with him where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. No more destruction, no more disease, no more COVID, no more terrorism, no more racism, no more robbery, no more rape, no more taxes. I'm going to get an amen somewhere, hopefully this morning. (laughs) And we're going to see Mr. Love face to face and experience unbroken, unhindered unhindered intimacy with him for all eternity. This is so vital. Listen, love will continue. Love is where it's at. Love is the greatest. Love will outlast all the gifts. Listen, it's love that connects us to heaven. And that connection with God's love needs to be worked out in our lives. That we might bring him glory. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. What an amazing chapter. Lord, I pray that my precious brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart. That this love you've poured into our hearts, so amazing. That you've shed abroad in our hearts would be growing and flowing in our lives. Lord Jesus, you told us that we can demonstrate our love for you by obeying your word. 
So may we walk in the things you're ministering to us, trusting in the power of your spirit to help us. Thank you that it pleased you to place us right where we're at, right here, right now. That it pleases you, makes you happy. That's so amazing. Help us to grow together. That our lives, our families, our church, your church, Lord, would continue to bring you glory. Pray you'd work this morning. Lord, work out those things that don't belong in our hearts. And we make the adjustments that are necessary. And as we are still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening and, and you need prayer this morning. Maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart. Certain things that are 